Hey, I'm Josh and this is my dad, Peter. Hello. This is a podcast about parenting and our relationship, um, but we're us, so uh, we're sure to get distracted and go the long way around any question. This is The Long Answer. Being the designated driver sometimes is great. Um, I know you're not there yet, but you will be. Um, and I, I used to love it because um, everybody else would drink and I would have an excuse not to drink because I was driving. But mm-hmm. the next day I'd get to tell them what they did. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I lied. I have this habit of never rem- or always thinking I remember everything that's gone on the night before. Yeah. And then just realizing slowly as I talked to more people, more people, more people that actually I haven't got a bloody clue. Uh, there was one occasion when I was in my mid twenties, um, mm-hmm. and I was out with a group of mates, and um, we got back, and somebody had been a pain all night. They'd been an absolute pain all night. They'd been drinking as well, very heavily, but they, they were just being a blooming nuisance. So after we went home in the morning of the next day, I phoned a loads of these people up and I shared a story with them and they all knew the story. And when we met up with this person again, we, um, we started talking about the story and it was obvious nobody had talked to each other because we just got back together and, and nobody's seen each other since the last time. And we started talking about different details of the story coming this person was really they were so struggling because they couldn't remember a thing of this story but they knew it must be true because everybody knew about it it was so much fun <laughs> um and then i became it's a good person them. and started going to church <laughs> that, was, that was that was really bad you became flanders yeah i'm not really flandersish though am i I don't think I don't know you have you have streaks of Flanders absolutely yeah well to be the thing I have in common with Flanders is the fact that I mean everything's Jesus everything comes back yeah everything comes back to Jesus somewhere um, absolutely do that yeah 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 so I, th- I think uh, that element of it and they used to call me it that was one of the nicknames they gave me when I was bus driving what Flanders yeah. or Ned fair enough yeah. <laughs> So, but it's 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 That's all funny. good fun. It's better than some of the other things they called me and said about me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. You do get some names. Anyway, are we here? Yeah, that's the intro. Oh, was it? All oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what I've not yeah. thought of. What have you thought of? Game or activity? Huh? Game or activity? You not thought of one? I I actually have just this second. Oh, thank goodness! So you've saved the whole podcast. But it, it's it's really bad. Okay. And it links into what we've just said. So <laughs> okay. um, what you're to do is ask me any question at all, mm. and I will show you how the answer is Jesus. Oh, for... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Really? Okay. But I, I know we call this the long answer, but let's make them relatively short. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Okay, it's, it's, so... I mean, it's a silly thing. It's, it's just, I mean, like people who get on the bus and, and talk about the weather and within a couple of minutes, I'd have got it round to Jesus. So I've got to ask so... you a question and you, a question and you tell me how, yeah. how it's, it's related to yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Um, ba, 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 ba. um, Ah, um, as I was getting dry from the shower this morning, I was re-watching like um, uh, an old video of the Civil Wars um, back when they played with Taylor Swift. Um, there's some, some song called Safe and Sound, which they released for one of the Hunger Games films. And it just like gave me goosebumps like the first time I watched it, because you know what yeah. I'm like with those guys. They just oh, no. give me goosebumps every time. Do you know why that is? And your answer can't just straight up just be the word Jesus. <laughs> I, th- I think um, no, no. The answer's never just straight up, <laughs> but it, it's that it's that um, the problem that Christianity has had through the years is the fact that it's given the impression to other people that we think we have the spirit of God, mm-hmm. when in actual fact the spirit is out there in the world all the time. That's what the Bible says. It says everyone, not just Christians, everyone has the spirit of God. Um, and it's it's that idea of there are times where something raises the hairs on the back of your neck or or whatever it is, because it's some kind of spiritual connection. And whether it's about a time where you felt at peace or a rescue place or a, a somebody this week on the news media was talking about their football ground, Turf Moor, was, was uh, their happy place. Mm. And they got loads of mick taken out of them on the media and stuff like that. I think it's one of the candidates on um, uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, I think. All right. But it, it's it's just that idea that there are, there are places um, where we just feel at hang. Um, for for me, that's Jesus. And and uh, when when you're in a church where people have been praying for a thousand years, I would challenge anybody to walk in there and not feel moved. There's something going on. It doesn't matter whether you're an atheist or belong to another religion or whatever. It's just that atmosphere is there, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing. So there you go. Oh, there's there's Jesus as the answer. Mm. And that was in less than two minutes. So fair play. Oh, bless you. I try my best. I'm not going to force you on this one, Al, but have you got any questions you want to ask Dad? Well, he did say ask him anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anything. Okay, so the only thing I'm thinking, because I'm thinking about pizza right now, and you know what I'm like with pizza, Josh. So oh, yeah. I'm going to ask you, why am I addicted to pizza? I mean, it's my random question, but... <laughs> I actually don't think it's any different from the previous question. I think it's that um, probably at some point pizza has been a place of safety for you. It's been a a comfort thing. It's been maybe it's a meal you've been out with with other people or maybe it's a time that you remember when you're thinking of it. it. And it's that connection with that that makes you feel that thing mm. a pizza the next day is scientifically proven beyond all reasonable doubt to taste better um and and that's the reason because cert- certain things in the pizza have changed their molecular structure and they actually taste better the next day and um, that's that's actually a scientifically proven fact do you not agree it, josh well i personally prefer pizza hot the night of not cold the next day but i, I know that it's a massive thing 
it's a taste, not texture. So cold is to do with texture and how it feels in your mouth. But when it comes to taste, it's different. Okay. Um, anyway, there we go. And, and some of the stuff's turned into um, one of the sugars, which which means it, it actually tastes sweeter as well. So anyway, hmm. there you go. So it's 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 the same question. Uh, the same question is is why is something makes me feel special? Well, you know why pizza makes you feel special. Or, or makes you feel safe, or makes you feel comforted. And um, if if we were to analyse it at a long degree, we would we would find a meal, maybe even an individual specific meal, where that started to be true for you, hmm, yeah. uh, because you're actually that's that's where it comes from, um, and it's psychological it's it's again it's science it's not just uh, spirituality is not something that separates from science and the real world it's it's actually connected with the real world so anyway there you go that's my answer and and jesus was in there because it was in a previous answer so (laughs) place place of safety okay Uh, i feel like i was one of your weirder ones (laughs) But, it was definitely, but that's my fault because I had. That's because you haven't done your homework. Yeah, God damn. I didn't. I, I asked you to do one thing, and you've had three I weeks didn't. as well. I've been. I, I mean, people listening don't know because we've released this a long time after we've finished recording. But I've been basically dying of. I'm going to assume it's not COVID because I couldn't get a test, but some sort Josh, of it's flu. Man flu. It's yeah. man flu. That's it's horrible. It I still sound deeper than I usually do, and I've, I'm still coughing a little bit. But I'm I'm definitely better than I was. Do you mean your voice sounds deeper or you, you think you're more intellectual now? Definitely not the latter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, I don't know. You have your moments, just like I do. Yeah. And I talk nonsense a lot of the time too. So usually um, we end like podcasts with an idea of what we're going to talk about the next next episode um last week we got a bit sidetracked because you were just busy shouting at me <laughs> spending on a racing wheel and some oh, yeah. blade runner glasses <laughs> you know i was doing so well at forgetting all that oh you've you brought know, it up there's, again, been, there's been there's been an update on the glasses as well i was talking to rose uh, about christmas um and hoping to be able to spend christmas together um and then we were, I was talking about this podcast and then that conversation came up and she was like, are you kidding me? You bought them. I'm like, <gasps> you dumbbell. What did well, I tell you? This is the what thing though, I right? Tell this, you? I think it's hilarious because it's literally just a matter of timing. They've been on my wish list for like two, three years at this point. Yeah. And in October, it was in October I bought them for myself. I was like, YOLO, let's do this. 2020 sucks. Let's get drunk in style. Um, and um, I made a promise to Rose saying that we'll, we'll always disagree on this so even I, I imagine even when she listens to this we'll have another fight about it because she, she'll still disagree and that's fine whatever <laughs> um i promised her that i wouldn't get anything for myself but i promised that in november after i'd already bought the glasses now i'm re- really i mean it's a shame that i don't know or that i i, I it's not a surprise anymore but I'm still really happy with that as a present. It's thoughtful because it's from my favorite film tr- franchise. It shows she listens to me. It shows um, that she she really knows who I am and what what I want and what makes me happy. Um, and 
of course I want four because it means I can drink with people, not just pick one random person as my favorite that evening and you could be my Blade Runner friend. It means I can actually have drinks and that's great because there's no way I'd be able to afford four. I couldn't afford the two. Um, so now I'm going to have four and I'm really happy. And she doesn't, she doesn't understand that the whole concept of buying a present for someone is to make them happy. And I'm like, you've done that. She's like, nope, you've ruined Christmas. <laughs> ruined it. Oh, if you, if you want to save, just tell her to look in the mirror if she wants to know what makes you happy. Oh, well, that's gross. But yes. That's <laughs> so no, being, this romance is not dead. It's real and it's lovely. I know. And you must like the look of her, otherwise you wouldn't be going out with her, sure. I like, I like more than the look of her, but yes, yeah. Right. If you seriously think there are women in the world who don't care that somebody thinks they, they are nice as well as looking nice, then yeah, well, you're, don't, you're... Don't we all want to be... Uh, yeah. Attractive. Although men are less like that, generally speaking. Not all. That's a, a, a mm-hmm. common statement. I suppose a lot of younger men are more like that, but but older men, you know, once you get above thirty five and you're married, <laughs> what you look like does really doesn't matter. You, you go and get the same pair of trousers from the same shop every single time you need a pair of trousers, and it's well, for you. It's trainers, honestly. Al, Dad has had the same pair of trainers for what like twenty years now. Silver shadows. Yeah. You and buy them every time. Oh no, you get well, a new yeah, pair. Yeah, he just I he just replaces meant, them. I thought all you the meant time. he has like the same original pair. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, they I would have that. got off and walked by now. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> they would have, they would have died being near my feet by then. <laughs> uh, no, but I've got, got through. I, I suppose I get through a pair a year. Well, I mean, if they're your thing they're, and they're comfortable. Yeah, and they're the only shoes you wear as well. So 29 quid. Bad. 29 quid. Why not? You know. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I've not told you this because this is, this is a wonderful mystery. Okay. But I'm just going to go and fetch my trainers. Just a second. Carry on talking amongst yourselves. Okay. Well, what are we going to talk about amongst ourselves while we're waiting for these trainers? Oh, these might be new. These might be trainers that aren't Silver Shadows. No, nah, they will be. High tech Silver Shadows. Honestly, since oh, I can remember, the same pair really? of shoes. Really? Yeah. Every time without fail. Right, here he comes. Oh, I wish we had video. This is when we need video. <laughs> I know. <yeah. laughs> What does got... it say on my high-tech silver shadow trainer? What does it say? Uh, hold it up, 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 up. Spirit. Oh, for God's <laughs> Seriously. I am now walking in the spirit every day. <laughs> oh, I love that. You are such a nerd. I am, aren't I? It's so cool. Nerd, nerd, <laughs> I bet you wish thing. you were as big a nerd as me. Mm. Anyway, there we go. 15 minutes in, <laughs> and I guess it's probably time to start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think at this sort of period in the timeline we're going through when we're smashing through it um we've got to i believe next will be sort of teenage years bringing up teenagers whether it's the one two or all three at the same time if you could just sum it up in a, in a word what would your experience of raising three teen- teenagers be That would be the word. Yeah. Okay. Um, so by your teenage years, all three of you had learned each other's buttons. Oh, God, yeah. You knew what to press to wind each other up. You knew what to do to win an argument. So if if there was something going on between you and one of you wasn't getting your way, you'd know what to do to get the other one out of the room. You'd just drop a little 
bomb that was guaranteed to send somebody into an absolute flat spin, and you were the worst offender of the three. You reckon? No way about it. You were now, me absolutely. And, me and Sam the worst. have spoken about this, and he was just as bad, if not worse. It's just he he was better at hiding it. And honestly, Sarah and I got in trouble for so many things that Sam had started because he just he did it under his breath, and was the was the quiet. He did child. do that. He did do that. Oh. That is definitely true. I, in um, some ways, I feel like that's worse than than Sarah like exploding, <laughs> or me. Let's face it, or me exploding. Yeah. Well, I think part all of it, it, we've said in other episodes, it's all a learning curve. So, all right, we'd learned how to look after young children, mm-hmm. but we haven't ever learned how to look after teenagers, and they are different creatures, um, and they behave in different ways. And I, it took me till Sarah was 13 at least, probably mm-hmm. 14. I don't know. I can't remember exactly how old she was when I learned it. Um, but she came home from school and she stormed into the kitchen, threw a bag on the floor and started shouting about what had gone on that day. Mm-hmm. And she did that quite a lot. That was <laughs> fairly normal. Um, and um, bless her, you know, I mean, you two did a bit of it as well, but Sam would just climb up the climbing frame and stay at the top of it for quite a long time. Um, and uh, He spent an you, awful lot of time there, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was. He was in a different world up there, and you would go to your room and sulk or whatever, you know, and <laughs> cry and listen to Busted. Oh, listen, <laughs> Parable. You can remember that time me coming into your room, can't you? Which time? Um, and saying to you, you you were terribly sensitive as a child. Oh um, yeah. By the by the way, you weren't terribly sensitive. You were just sensitive as a child. And thank mm. God, all children should be sensitive. <laughs> because actually it means they care about how other people feel, which is great. Um, but um you came home and you sobbed on your bed. You were absolutely sobbing and I heard you and I came into you, which is always a risk when you're in that sort of frame of mind. But I just I just said to you, I I know it feels awful now. But one day, what you see as a curse will be your greatest gift. Mm, I do remember that. And and you are a much more sensitive adult than you were as a child. And you've learned to manage it differently. Mm-hmm. And you've turned some of it into empathy. And it's 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 a it's a gift. It's brilliant. And and you're not finished growing yet. I haven't finished growing yet, and I'm fifty five. So. And I mean in maturity rather than... I mean because of the Oreos. <laughs> I'm actually lighter now than when when we had you children at first. How do you manage that? Is it a diet or just stress? Diabetes out of control, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 14 stone two, and I've never been 14 stone two for years. So I was 17 and a half at one stage. So. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I don't like to think about numbers. Yeah. I have a, a unhealthy relationship with numbers when yeah. it comes to weight. Yeah, but I, I haven't so. weighed myself in maybe two years. Well done, good man. Some, something like that. That's actually fantastic. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's you. not bad. When um, you look like you, you don't need to weigh yourself. <laughs> you really don't. And well, actually, I, the massive majority of young people don't need to weigh themselves. Just, I mean, if you're happy being you, and that's what it's all about. You being mm. happy being you. If you're happy being you, then the numbers don't matter. And actually, neither does what other people think you look like. Yeah. What matters is what you think you look like. 
I'll be honest. I think I've got to the stage now where as long as I've got a nice pair of jeans that make my ass look good and make me feel good, that's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on what I think about that. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Probably appropriate. (laughs) Um, Did we mention on one of the previous podcasts about us going out for a walk together when you were a teenager? Because it's part of the teenage story. And we went out somewhere and we were walking around the corner of um, the High Street in Lincoln and walking away from St. Mary Le Wigford's. Mm-hmm. And I was walking along with you and these girls, I mean, they must have been sort of 18, that sort of age, 18, 19. And they looked at me and it was so, I hadn't had anybody look at me in ages. It was wonderful. <laughs> and they were, their their facial expression was wonderful and it was great. And then I realized they were looking at you. <laughs> so not fair. But it was absolutely the right thing to be happening. But but it was it was just, yeah, that's How that's old was kind. I? I don't remember that. Oh, I can't remember, love. You were a teenager. Lots of things happen when you're a teenager. By then, I mm. plotted out recording things and was just busy surviving them <laughs> and, and trying to keep the police from being involved. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, having teenagers is a challenge, and I only know because I know that being a teenager is a challenge. It is. Um, yeah. What would you and say that's was the thing to focus on? Yeah, what would you what would you say was your like your biggest challenge as a parent trying to navigate that for five or six years? Hypocrisy. <laughs> well, I mean, going back to child development in younger children, um, what do you do in a supermarket? You take your kids through the supermarket and you tell them not to touch anything, mm-hmm. and they can't just have anything they want. You'll tell them what they're allowed to have, and what do you do? You walk along the shelves, you pick up something, you look at it and you may put it back or you may go and pick something else up and put it straight in a trolley and that's okay. But the mm-hmm. child isn't allowed to. But at no point do the adults explain why. And a child right. is expected to see you behave in a completely different way to the way they do, but you tell them that's the way they've got to behave in in not touching things and not taking things off the shelves and all that sort of business. And it's like that the rest of the time. So I was uh, a teenager once. I was interesting as a teenager. I had a very, very interesting sex life as a teenager. Um, and um, when it came into the 1980s, I was a high-risk AIDS group because of, uh, because of the amount of partners I'd had. Um, and it was because I was desperately seeking love and um, uh, none of it actually worked. It was, it just didn't feel like any of that. So I knew what it was like to be a teenager, trying to work out whether you're loved or not, or trying to work out whether life matters or not, whether anything anybody says is true or real or um, no sense at all of what the future was going to be or what I wanted to do when I grew up or, and everybody's demanding that of you. You've got to know what you want to do. You've got to know mm. what training course to be on and all this sort of stuff. And you're thinking, well, how do I know what training course to go on? I don't even know what I want to do. Um, yeah. I've always thought that was a bit unfair that you, you're asked so early on to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, thing. It's, it's mental. And often it you don't know till you're 30 or 40. 
And and I think um, gap years are for posh people with money. Yeah, with money. Yeah, you absolutely have to have money for that. I would like to build into the British economy a financed gap year for everyone. Yeah. So that when you finish school, you get an allotment of money, maybe, I don't know, um, £3,000, something like that, for a year to do what you like with, go where you like, um, get a job, do some voluntary work, do whatever, and find out who you are outside of school where you're being bullied and told and harassed and where people don't know you so much so you can actually just be yourself. And it would be a wonderful idea, um, but it'll only work if if everybody can do it yeah. um, rather than just certain people. And I I know it's a, a disastrous idea, and I know there's all sorts of problems for it, and there's lots of young people that that would be up the wall in about sort of three weeks, <laughs> or up the nose, one or the other. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's that's a tiny group of people compared with a massive majority of people who would get something real from it. Yeah, and it, it's not about supporting their living because actually they should go out and get a job. Yeah. Even if it's a part-time job or a holiday job or a foreign job or, you know, you go to France, do some work in France or whatever. Um, and maybe you've learned French at school, develop the language skills, um, whatever it is, whatever it is, just go and play and find out what life is about for you. Do you know what they did in the early part of the last century? Do you know how people find out who they were and tried to realise what life was about for them? They went to a bloody awful war. <laughs> Uh, the, the massive majority of people who went to war had never travelled anywhere. They'd never travelled, um, probably a third of them had never travelled outside of their own county. Mm-hmm. And they find themselves in a foreign land listening to all sorts of different languages because we talk about England fighting the war. It's a load of nonsense. We fought alongside the Welsh. We fought alongside the Irish. We fought alongside people from all sorts of nations, uh, India and um, the African nations that are part of the Commonwealth and all that sort of thing. There were so many people there. Um, And people learned more about themselves and the world in that time than they had done in the rest of their lives put together. But anyway, yes, teenage years. It's finding out who you are. I did get back to the answer, honestly. (laughs) It's, it's, and it is, it's, I think the problem is parents see it as a difficult time for them and they Mm. forget that it's absolutely an impossible time for a lot of teenagers. It's really painful. There's physical pain through growth pains. There's all sorts of growth spurts going on and stuff. There's, There's the whole gender thing. What your generation will never understand is the fact that the previous generations never had a conversation about gender. Yeah, you had all the same it, problems it just wasn't but without the ability to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It's not that nobody felt weird in their own body. Um, lots of people do. Um, it's not that uh, people weren't confused about who who they fancied or felt guilty about who they fancied or convention mm. said they weren't allowed to fancy certain kinds of people. And that wasn't just about male, female. Sometimes it was about class. Sometimes it was about finance. Sometimes it was about religion. Um beginning of the 1900s the idea of a catholic marrying a protestant Mm. um the idea of a methodist marrying an anglican 
was initially. It's weird, isn't it? Because it, we've obviously still got a huge way to go when it comes to inclusionism and diversity and stuff. Oh, yeah. But we've more and more, and huge. I recognise um, I do come from certain privileges and stuff, but we we are getting at least more representation of people of colour, of uh, the LGBTQ plus community, um, of uh, the disabled community, of of all sorts of people are being represented. We've got bloody Harry Styles in a dress on the front cover of Vogue. It's it's pretty cool. I missed that tradition. Uh, he, lo- he looked damn good. Yeah. Um, but we've we've got. I mean, and they're not. And I I will point out, not in every community. <clears throat> Because it is very dependent on the people around you, immediately around you, um, as to whether or not you feel support or anything like that. But we are getting much bigger pockets of, you know, acceptance and an open conversation, which is great. And you've got teenagers able to more freely try and discover who they're supposed to be. Yes, yeah. cool. And and also life changing events. Um... Years ago, uh, people had life-changing events pushed on them. So um, teenage pregnancy and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in Again, right up until my age, um, w- when I was at secondary school, kids would go missing from school. And then six months later, they'd come back. And everybody would just get on. They'd been to visit a grandma or they'd stayed with a member of the family. And what they'd actually done is go and have an abortion or go and have a child. Um, and um, nobody was told. It just happened. Um, and somehow that kid was meant to hold that mm. inside themselves privately. No wonder we've got some screwed up generations. Yeah. You know. Anyway, there we go. But... In regard to our family, which is a totally normal family with um, really, really sensible, normal teenage development with no complications at all, um, it was it's wonderfully easy. We just sort of let you get on with it. Um, yeah. All of that's a lie, but let's... <laughs> I can smell the bullshit on yeah, you there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, the reality is it was interesting. It's always interesting. And, and there will never be a generation like this again um, because mm-hmm. we've gone from um, almost no information to almost all information being available online. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That means young people are bombarded with messages of what what different kinds of normal there are, what different kinds of feeling are. Now, I know you call that freedom, and that's great. I have no problem with that. But the cost of it is immense. And there are more young people now with all that freedom, with all that openness, with all that counsellors available and all sorts of mental health services, more now than in any generation before. And I know young people are rightly complaining about the services being poor and there not being enough of them. But there are more now than there ever have been in the history of the world. Mm. And there are more depressed teenagers and young people than ever before in any period of history. And bearing in Do you mind think that's partly because we're actually more open to diagnosing that nowadays as opposed to before. No, I don't. I think it's just um, possibilities are just 
so broad that there is no moral right, which means everything is up for grabs. And it's easier to decide who you are if you know what people are telling you you're supposed to be, even if that means you decide who you are is not that person. And lots of people did decide that. People hmm. decided not to be that person they were expected to be. Am I making sense? Because you look a bit confused. Sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's the lighting in here. Is All right. Sorry. sorry. I apologise. But it, I, I just think it's um, people are hit with that wall of possibilities. Um. I, you know who I am. I'm. Um, I pretend to be a man, because um, <laughs> it suits me to be seen as a man. And that works for me. I can remember as a teenager walking behind somebody with really long, very nice quality hair style, looked really super. And the backside in those jeans, fantastic. And when they turned around at the pedestrian crossing and had a beard, it really messed with my head. (laughs) And I think um, there's a difference between sexual attraction um, and mm. there's uh, there's been a study done on turkeys. I know this sounds like I'm going off. <laughs> what what there's, even is this there's, podcast? <laughs> there's been a study done on turkeys <laughs> and, and how they do sexual attraction. And okay. actually, what they did was they, first of all, did what you're attracted to amongst turkeys. And then yeah. they reduced it. And sometimes there were other birds as well. And and then there were less than normal turkeys. Then there were pretend turkeys. And then eventually they ended up with a stick with what looked like a turkey head on the top. And they were still trying to hump it. <laughs> their, their, their sexual drive was so... And I think the problem is we equate sexual drive with attraction and relationship, whereas yeah. the reality is most people are attracted to all sorts of things and people yeah. and situations. That's not the same as falling in love. It's not even really the same as seeing somebody that makes you feel whole um, or makes you feel as though you have value. Um, there's nothing more powerful in the world than somebody choosing to be in an exclusive relationship with you. It's the most powerful thing. Um, And actually it can get people into trouble because sometimes it's a lie. Um, uh, And and people will do anything for the person who makes them feel loved and and makes them feel as though they have chosen them and they're special and they're there for a reason. So it's complicated. Um, but it's more than just physical attraction. It's more than um, fancying someone, having a crush, falling in love. It's all sorts of complicated stuff. And the reason this is called the long answer is because if you talk about any subject and you genuinely talk about it, then there's more than one answer. It, it's, yeah. not, it's not straightforward. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. If it's straightforward, it really doesn't mean much. And anybody, everybody knew it already. <laughs> yeah, this is a good point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I suppose we ought to talk about teenagers and you lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you mentioned in a previous week me um, coming and telling you about sex and the total embarrassment of that. And I was mortified. And, yeah, yeah. And it, but right, I said at the time in that previous episode, 
imagine how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and that's, kids don't do that. Kids don't think about how their parents feel about trying to care about them and love them and want them to have the right information so they can make sensible choices. I never frightened you off sex. I never told you what sex was right and what sex was wrong. Never, did I? Mm. Did I? No. 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 But the way you talk about me and the way you talked about me and the way you felt about me or when you've spoken to me about things that are issues for you in your life, you came with fear and expectation that somehow I would judge you. Mm-hmm. And I've always told you that's a lie and you've never really believed me, but it is a lie. I've never. I feel like it's a natural state for, I'm not going to say all because I know families that are weirdly close about that sort of thing, but I feel like it's almost a natural state for um well kids and their parents though isn't it i, th- I, I mean how often did you speak to your mom about never about sex never uh, and not my dad if i if i visited at work um there were pictures all over the wall um in their workshop um hmm. and i suppose i grew up with an idea of sexualization of other people as being normal because mm. um, that's just what you saw and nothing was said about it. And and I hate that because it's it's part of who I am. It's, it's, when I think about things, I know sometimes I speak inappropriately um, and I feel inappropriate things and I, I, I hate it. Um, but it's so deep into me that it's really difficult to just um, walk past it. And I think it's that difference... We talk about nature is good, don't we? Nature is good. Don't Not we? always, but yeah. Oh, no, nature is always good. If it's natural, it's got to be good, yeah? <coughs> no. No, it hasn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Coronavirus is natural. Well, not if you ask some of the crazies with the tinfoil hats. It's natural. <laughs> it's uh, The flu every year is a natural thing. Cancer is natural. Mm. I have cancer cells in me now. You have cancer cells in you now. Um, everybody that's listening to this, sorry, folks, and I love you, I really do, but you've got cancer cells in your body. And actually, if you hadn't, you'd have died by now. It's part Mm. of what makes you a living person. It's essential to be alive. Like um, the whole planet would have died um, millennia ago if we didn't have volcanoes because the gases that are released through a volcano actually prevent us from UV light. Mm. it's it's a wonderful creation it's amazing um but every good thing also has bad sides and every bad thing also has good sides somewhere and i hate the petrol engine but i'm really relieved when an ambulance turns up (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm the same i hate a petrol engine until lewis is driving it to a seventh world title so yeah another two years he will have done himself out of that job because he's he's looking at the development of the future of racing, and one of the yeah, developments. He's, he's started his own team, electric. hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's started his own um, electric extreme motorsport category and has his own team, and is so it's and he's on his way to retirement anyway. So we'll get yeah. to see the golden era and stuff. Um, he's got to be a lord great, soon, though. We've got to. He's got to be a sir. Well, they're talking about knighting him again but then there's there's stuff coming out about the royal family not wanting to do it because they're hesitant to knight active sportsmen since andy 
um, Murray um, refuses to use his title. <laughs> no, for, so that, that's Andy Murray. Fine. Yeah, if you have a title system, you've got to you've got to be prepared for people Stop to say no. Stop making excuses. <laughs> I, I, He's I the greatest Formula One driver is. of it all time. Have. It's statistical fact. I already started by saying that. It's just yeah, mm. that's how I feel. And, and Anywho, I'm getting and distracted now. You've been talking about turkey sex, and I'm talking about Lewis Hamilton, and we're, we're here talking about teenage years and what it's like parenting teens. Who isn't talking about turkey sex? That's all I want. To know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just a yeah, it's one of those things. So uh, <laughs> I'm just glad I don't have to think about turkey coming up to Christmas because I don't have to eat it, so I don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have that my thought in the back of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. So, uh, yeah, it's complicated. That's basically what I was saying. It's an imperfect <laughs> science. And the children always think their parents are the problems and the parents always think the children are the problems. But actually mm. just being alive is hard work. And it's more hard work in a, an information-free zone than it was in a limited information zone. But a free information zone in some ways is better because then people can make choices from an educated and informed perspective. I think the problem is um, wrongly informed perspectives and sources of information that are lies or Mm -hmm. at least taking the truth from a perspective. Yeah. Um, And I think um, moderation is a vastly underrated um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but way of living. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. So is there anything in particular that you would change about your approach to parenting during that period of time if you could? <clears throat> Bearing in mind that no parent is perfect anyway. No, no, and I, I get that and I, I know I definitely wasn't perfect. Um I think one thing that upset me all the way through your childhood, but especially in the teenage years, was I would come home from work and you would talk to your mum in such a derogatory way. You would mm. call her names, and all three of you did it, um, and shouting and th- arguing and throwing things about and temper tantrums. and it was It was awful. I'd come home from a really long day at work and walk into that. And your mum would not let me intervene because she knew where she was at with all of you. Yeah, she'd been there for the whole thing. And I hated that. Most of the time I respected it. There were a couple of occasions where I literally chased you lot upstairs and I said, I don't want you to come down. You go and stay in your bedroom. I don't want to see you with the rest of tonight. Because I was Mm. so angry at the way you'd spoken to your mother. Who loves you and gave up everything to raise you and um I, it used to make me very very angry um and the fact that i wasn't allowed to intervene most of the time um was very difficult i think mm. the other thing is i believe i am a consistent human being i believe the peter that gets up and preaches in church is the same peter that preaches uh, uh, that talks to people on buses is the same Peter that goes to work, is the same Peter. I would agree with that. And I think I'm fairly consistent in whatever I'm doing. I'd like to think I am anyway. 
The thing was, you kids saw us at home in a pressured environment, dealing with all three of you with special needs and issues going off all over the place. And you also saw us giving our attention to other people, um, homeless people or um, somebody turned up in a state and needed to talk or the phone going off again or uh, somebody's in hospital and instead of dad being there so you can talk to him at night, um, he's out sat by somebody's bedside somewhere after Mm -hmm. doing a full day at work. Um, it's, It's hard. And you miss things. And I know I've missed things. Um, and yes, I know I'm not perfect and I'm not God. I just work for him. Um, but it's it's that there is there is a little a little regret. Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I can't change your feelings on the matter or anything no. like that. Um, but you may have missed out on on things. But I, I think there's probably like a greater purpose for that because. I think those sorts of behavioral patterns and attitudes have massively informed the way I live my life. And I'm, I'm trying to strike a balance at the moment. In these last few years, I've been really trying to focus on me as opposed to the people and just like, what do I need? What do I want? Um, which can be difficult when you're brought up thinking the opposite, like it's always about other people. But I still carry a lot of those of those lessons with, um, trying to be empathetic with the people and always having an open door. <coughs> all my childhood, we had friends that would just walk in the door. Yeah, every all five of us, we all had friends that would just walk in. We're like, oh, um, Danny or Elizabeth just sat at the table. Cool, how you doing? Like made, made yourself a cup of tea, or whatever. And I loved that. And I've I've carried a portion of that through to my adult life. I've got friends that that I've. Some are more comfortable with it than others, admittedly, but you can just walk in or like swap keys or whatever. And it's good having that that sort of relationship there. And I don't think that comes without being open and and generous with your with your thought and your care and your time. Yeah, thanks. I mean and yes, I do see it in you. Um and I think um I, I would want to really push something I know I've taught you in the past, which didn't mm. just come across in what you said. So this isn't a rebuke or a challenge, but I know I've strongly said this. I don't believe everybody else is more important than me. I don't believe that. That's not what I believe. That's not what I live by. Um, Somebody came to that person whose initials are JC that I don't want to offend anybody by saying the word Jesus. (laughs) Um, (coughs) So... (laughs) By the way, his initials weren't JC, but let's not go there. Um, (laughs) um, Somebody said, what's most important? Out of all the ways of thinking, out of all the laws and rules, what is most important? And Jesus said, Mm. love God and love others as yourself. And in the Bible, it says the two greatest commandments but there are three there and I've taught you this. I know I have. There are three commandments there. Love God. Love others as yourself. And if you don't have a proper regard for yourself, then you really can't love anybody else properly. Yeah. If you don't have that sense of 
value and dignity and then what you really are is looking for somebody to make the missing part of you and actually nobody can do that you can have all sorts of wonderful relationships and Angela is completely different to me we think differently we feel differently <laughs> about all sorts of things our politics yeah. are different even our spirituality is different um, the way we um, talk about God is different. She doesn't complete me. I'm me, but I'm more with her than I am without yeah. her. And I think she would say she's more with me than without me. And we, we're meant to bless each other's lives, not to complete them. Mm. Um. And it really is important if you have real issues with yourself and most teenagers have some kind of stuff going on, whether it's to do with their parents or the way their friends treat them or kids are particularly cruel and teachers aren't far off them either. But uh. they really do pick on the difference of people. They do. It's, yeah. it's the way That's they... always what the, yeah. the bullies target, yeah. If you put people in a bracket, then you can manage them better. Divide and conquer um it's it's been in existence for thousands of years um that idea that if you set people against each other um then you can control them better hmm. if you allow everybody to be comfortable with who they are that's a bit chaotic and it's a bit disorganized and it's very difficult to manage as a for instance somebody who um goes through treatment and is transgender and goes from being one sex to another. Mm -hmm. How do you balance the rights of everybody else in prison with the rights of the person to decide which gender they are in prison? Okay. Whose rights are more important? Well, no one's a more important. Right. There's a, there's a genuine actual factual situation where uh, a man who was a sex offender and an offended against women, raped women, and caused them all kinds of problems on a, a large scale, was finally mm. caught and convicted and then became transgender. Now, whether mm. he'd already had thoughts about that before or not, he hadn't actually gone through any processes of change. He's now convicted. He decides he's transgender and insists on being sent to a female prison. That, that's a fact that's in this country. Mm -hmm. um, Do you know what the outcome of that was? Um, I don't actually. Um, I, I haven't followed the story. Um, I, I'm guessing that that wouldn't last for long because actually the rights of the many are more important than the rights of the individual. They are because there's more of them. Yeah. That's I mean, I, obviously I've only got limited rights. information on on that no, no. situation but i would say it, when it comes to prisons it has to be a case-by-case -case thing with that sort of thing because obviously you've got to protect the the other prisoners yeah. as well so that would maybe be looking at solitary or some sort of special prison yeah we already complain at the amount we spend on prison at the moment people would be glad for us to spend less on prison um and uh, the idea of setting up new places or new individual units and stuff it, it would there would be people on the streets legalize it that's it solves a lot of the prison space issues and 
gives you a lot of control over legalized over cannabis cannabis distribution. Are we on cannabis? The devil's lettuce. Where did that, well, that come from? For what well, you're talking about prison overcrowding and spending too much on it. Oh, My solution yeah, to yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be yeah. legalized cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Like half the world is doing. <laughs> I, I I don't think we should legalize cannabis. I think we should license it. Like we did. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's what it would be. It would have to be from licensed um, vendors. Yeah, like, like guns are legal in, in several yeah. different countries, but in the ones that make sense, it's not just you buy them from Walmart. Um, you have to get a license. You know why they don't want to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, for the same reason as smoking and every other habit that's ever developed. The reality is um, if it's legal, then it's available and adults supply to children. And whereas for a 25-year-old to be smoking cannabis is a lifestyle choice, and actually they may be quite okay, carry on working and all sorts of other things Mm -hmm. going on, and not develop a a stronger attachment to stronger drugs or go down any kind of pathway to destruction, but they Mm -hmm. just carry on living their lives quite normally. Um, that that is perfectly possible but if they give them to a child it actually changes the development of the brain fact here's 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 the thing on that though that's still happening anyway yeah and it's illegal there's always going to be illegal activity like that and if you were to legalize it it would have an age restriction but there'd be more it's there'd be less than yeah but there'd be less than if it's less than if not more as as damaging as smoking or drinking both of those are legal but have age restrictions no and you have to have a license to sell them for under 25 year olds we're gonna just we're gonna disagree this but most people i know don't smoke it under that age but well with the greatest respect in the world i am actually dealing with facts in this and i have done drug uh training i know you work with it on the ground as well yeah so we're always going to disagree on this, but anyway, why have we gone? To, I don't, we've gone through teenagers tried and, to talk not being about funny, teenagers and drugs. That's not, not a great leap. Well, yeah, maybe, but <laughs> we've got to drugs through Lewis Hamilton, Turkey sex. Um, uh, what else? Oh my God. So, so much. I can't even remember what we've spoken about today. What, what even is this episode? It was it was a long answer, wasn't it? Sorry. That is true. That is that is very true. So I mean, if if we if we're gonna tick this off the done done list, teenage years, which is hilarious, but let's face it, if we try this again, the same thing is gonna happen. What what is next in, in your journey then? Is it is there a weird period between teenage and adulthood, or is is are we going on to parenting adults? I I think it's. I think probably what might be good to talk mm. about is allowing becoming. Okay. Um, all of us are becoming. Yeah. None of us have become anything yet, um, but we, we're all becoming something, someone. And our whole lives, when we're on a deathbed, and we look back at the whole of our lives, and you do, by the way. Um, you know that experience mm. where people have a car crash or some accident, and they talk about their life flashing before their whole life flashed before my eyes. It's absolutely it true. It was really it's boring. Real yeah, but it's it's really true. It does happen, and it is actually to do with spirituality, and it is to do with the brain, and it's about your brain um, sorting out, processing stuff before it shuts down. Mm. Like when you switch a computer off, it doesn't switch off straight away. You switch it off and then it puts everything back in the right places and sorts itself out ready for the next time it's switched on. Yeah. 
and that's what's happening in the brain when it when it shuts down it needs to have everything in a proper place so what you're trying to do is uh, y- there's no attempt within you to do it but your brain is going through all sorts of past memories and sorting things into an appropriate place so you may have buried it for 20 years and all mm. of a sudden it's right there in your face which is why a lot of people cry when they're dying because they've got unresolved issues that they've never faced and it's all of a sudden they're remembering something that happened to them yeah um and it's it's a really i've i've been at bedsides of people dying for large chunks of my ministry and actually it's one of the things other people say i'm really good at um what a difficult thing to be good at though well no it really isn't it's just about allowing people to be human and to deal with what's going on um we're talking about the next episode, so maybe this could come up then rather than now because I've got all sorts of stories about that. But um, okay. it's about becoming. It's about allowing people to become. The problem is in a house with five near adults in, mm-hmm. all five people are still becoming. Yeah. And you children expect the adults to be sorted when actually... I think you do, don't you? The yeah. adults you just think when you get to an adult... Out you're there yeah and then you get to an adult you realize you're just a big kid and now you have a mortgage or rent to pay (laughs) and taxes and you still feel exactly the same yeah i think i think there's a lot of truth in that okay well have a think about what becoming yeah what becoming is to you and and everything like that we'll have a think and go away and we'll come back next well i don't know next week maybe tomorrow who knows we'll figure it out um <laughs> you've got some homework to do though because you've got to make up for it you've got to come come with an exercise prepared i know i'm so sorry i'm a bad person <laughs> <laughs> nah you'll be good it, it, i'm sure it'll be fine next time okay okay i love you thank you very much love you too bye I like you, Alice, but maybe, you know, you know. <laughs> Stop <Maybe> it. <laughs> Behave yourself. The Long Answer is a Greenwall audio production, edited by Josh Reist and produced by Alice Leonard. If you like this episode, please do rate and share it because uh, it honestly does make a world of difference to us. And for more episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.